Hello, and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Star vs. the Forces of Evil, which we'll be talking about today with a special guest. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Bonilla, and today we are going to be joined and do an interview with the lead composer of the show, as well as he has done work with various other shows, such as Abby's, How I Met Your Mother, Bones... But we'll be talking with him about the show that we cover here on, on this podcast. Um, it's Brian H. Kim. Hi, how are you? That Thank you for coming on with us. <laughs> and uh, obviously, we're here today because it's kind of a special moment in, in the show's history since the finale aired uh, the, uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, on this podcast, we've already <laughs> we've already done two, po- uh, two podcasts discussing the, the finale and the, our reactions to it and everything. And so it's definitely been a lot for the, the fans of the show. But I guess we'll begin by just talking about um, you as a person who has been very involved with the show for uh, for its entire run mm-hmm. and uh, dealing uh, ha- putting so much uh, effort to it, into it. Like, how does it feel to finally see the, the the last piece of your work go go to the public? Like, what 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 kind of emotions go go through you when, when that happens? Oh, it's um. It's really bittersweet, you know, because uh, like you said, we've been on the show for for years now. Um, uh, I started working on the show five years ago. Uh, I want to I want to say, and um, for me, it was the first time that a television show hired me as as the lead, as as like the composer on the show. Um, and not it wasn't just my first show. It was it was a show for Disney, which for me was a really big deal. Um, I, I'd grown up watching Disney cartoons, and as an adult, was you know watching stuff like Gravity Falls and just thinking, you know, what a cool place that would be to work. Um, so for me to see the show go through so much and develop such a huge fan base, a uh, really passionate fan base, um, and to just go through much uh, in terms of its own evolution. You know, it started off as one thing and then evolved over the course of several seasons and and really tackled a lot of big subjects. You know, to see all of that come to a close, it's uh, it's really happy for me because I, I'm, I'm uh, really glad of what we made and I'm, I'm glad that the public finally gets to see see all of it and see all the effort we put into it but i'm sad you know it's it's sad it's really weird not to have this show uh to work on you know there's like uh 22 23 episodes a season or something like that and each episode takes me like two weeks two to three weeks to do so that's like a year-round gig you know so uh when i was done working on the show it was it was literally like the first time in five years where i could wake up that morning and not think about the show like not think about <laughs> what i had to do on the show that day um and that was that's that just so weird uh, how how long ago had uh, how long ago did you finish your work with the finale that aired here oh i uh i finished sometime in march i think and mm. sometime yeah sometime in march and so i had a couple of months of waiting just for stuff to to air and come out yeah, so I, I imagine that that kind of, that's kind of like it, it's anticipation, but also kind of like wait, like oh no, like this is at like going to be like the final moment that it's out <laughs> to the public, you know? I know. Also, you know, we finish it, and and uh, a lot of time, like on previous seasons, we would finish an episode, and then it would come out, you know, a couple weeks later, and then we'd just like finish the episode, and then that would, that that would come out, and they were sort of rolling, but but this one we were done with the whole thing before anybody saw anything. So, you know, we all finished it and, and it was done and we were proud of it. And then we just sort of sit there like, oh, OK, what is everybody else going to think now? <laughs> yeah. And so 
with, with like the process of music you mentioned like it is kind of like a real going for the, jumping from episode to episode for all, all those years mm-hmm. but like in general like how would you for someone who is unaware of like the the job of a, a composer aside from like the one one sentence description of they make music for the show but like <laughs> if, if you if you wanted to like explain it a little deeper than that like what what would you describe as the responsibilities of the, of the lead composer of a show um like when i first started on the show there were a lot of discussions about um just what the show was going to sound like you know it's 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 weird when you see a television show that has all of this completed artwork and all this completed music and the voice actors and and and, and all that's completed that all kind of comes from nothing you know we we start on the show and it's a it's a it's a blank slate that we can come in and do um and so uh it took a few episodes for me to kind of lock it down but a lot of it was just me meeting with darren uh meeting with dominic and meeting with aaron sort of like the three producers i worked most with on the show um and just you know having lunch and talking about things and them sending me links and me listening to mp3s and playlists and everything they would send me just to get a feel for things that made them click and then taking all of those things that they would send me and trying to mush them all into one sound you know um because i obviously you know if they send me a track list of 20 different songs i'm not going to make 20 different cues for one episode of television that sound completely different from one another Mm -hmm. you know um so that was a lot of the, the the early discussions, and then you know from once that sort of gets laid down, the 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 episode to episode duties are, uh, I go in when the edit of the episode is done, so I'm one of the last people to see it. I sit down with with Darren and very often Dominic and Aaron as well, um, and we watch the whole episode and we talk about you know every scene and where we want the music to come in and out, and they obviously have their ideas of what they want, but they're they're very interested in hearing. They were always really interested in hearing what I thought as well. Um, and then, uh, I, I take all those notes, my spotting notes, and then I go home and I work for a couple of weeks and I, and I write all the music that I can, uh, for, for the episode. I finish the episode. I bring it back. We meet again. Uh, we sit down and we watch the episode again with all the music in it and they're all taking notes. And I'm like looking out of the side of my, the corner of my eye, seeing like when people are writing in their notebook, I'm like, oh, that one didn't work <laughs> you know? and that sort of thing. And, um, and then we discuss it, and then I go home, and I revise, and then uh, all, and then I send that to the final mix, and then Darren gives everything the final approval uh, at the final mix. Um, and when she's at the final mix for the episode, I kind of have to be at home sitting next to my computer in case she has a last-minute like 911 phone call that she needs to make. It was like, ah, the, the queue at like 1336 is not ending right. Can you just make it a really fast fix really, really like right now and so i'm um that, that's what the final mixes are like for me generally um but yeah that's sort of like the the day to day it's very um it's a very technical job in that um you know i write all of it on a computer and all of my deliveries all have very specific information for various people at different points like when i'm sending something to an editor i give them very specific uh specifications on the files that i send or if i'm sending it to a mix stage it's a very specifically set up pro tool session you know so a lot of it is about writing but a lot of it is about meetings and a lot of it is about uh just tech stuff um it covers a lot of ground the job of a film and tv composer mm-hmm and uh, digging a little deep, you mentioned the part where like you have to watch the episode with Darren and the other producers, and mm-hmm. like, you you talk you talk it out. Like obviously, there are things like, that you have to consider, like the the story, like what you want the audience to feel, or like what what are mm-hmm. like some of like the details that like 
usually need to be like dug in the deepest when you hash out like what kind of music that uh, the the group wants for a specific scene or specific character. Right. Yeah. Um, when I first started um, scoring the show, um, and uh, it was the first time I'd worked with these eleven-minute length episodes, and I personally had a, a little bit of trouble um, just trying to navigate like such a short arc and it being an animated show i was trying to do too many things you know so one of the things that we figured out early on was that it was really important for every 11 or 22 minute episode we had to figure out whose point of view the story was being told from like is this an episode that's mainly about marco is this an episode that's mainly about star um so when we're going through and we're spotting the episode that's a lot of what we talk about because that will determine sort of the overall sound of the episode mm-hmm. um which character it's mainly about um and then as we go through the episode we try to make sure we can always track that character so even if it's you know a, an action sequence that maybe you know the primary character of the episode is not participating in when we ask ourselves, is this an action sequence that should be viewed from the point of the people in the action sequence or from the point of somebody outside the action sequence who that mainly is the, who, who, who might be the main character of the episode, that sort of thing. Because um, we found that if we just went from scene to scene and bounced to music for whatever character was on that scene at that time, the 11 minutes would feel really crowded and, and jumbled musically, you know? So most of a, a lot of what we talk about in those spotting sessions is making sure that the through line of each episode is clear musically, because uh, that will help with uh, the audience as they're, as they're watching it to really feel to, to be empathetic with the characters we want them to be empathetic with at any given time. OK, that, that, that's interesting to think about, like uh, the fact that. If it's like a different character, you may want to like lean on that specific character's theme. But if that's not the character that's being focused on that episode, then you may maybe have to like also keep in mind who the main character is that, for like the whole group. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, for for people who uh, follow me on Twitter or on Tumblr, they they know that I I love working with character themes, and I just love having very specific melodies for each character um but i love it to the point that sometimes i can get carried away with it <laughs> and i'm like ah throw this one here ah moon's on screen let's let's put hers oh no eclipse let's use hers too you know and so uh part of this whole process is 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 making sure those themes are used effectively and not just like thrown to the wind because you know with too much of one thing they, it's not, it loses its meaning a little bit you know mm-hmm mm-hmm and definitely, I, I, I've also, like, like, in particular, me speaking personally, like, the Eclipsa character theme I really love, the Toffee mm. character theme I, I enjoy. Oh, I, thanks. I, I, I wonder what's the commonality between the two, but... <laughs> um, oh, between the Toffee one and the Eclipsa yeah. one? <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's a lot of commonality, um, <clears throat> I, I think, between those two, and Moon uh, as well, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, Moon especially later, because Toffee and Eclipsa... Um, in particular, they walk this fine line of, you know, well, with Toffee, you knew he was a bad guy, but he was not so overtly a bad guy all the time. He's very clever more than anything else. He was um, uh, more of a schemer than, than a doer. And so a lot of his, his actions, quote unquote, were through speech and they were through, you know, manipulation. It wasn't like he personally was going around and like beating people up or, or, or that sort of thing. And so for his music, we wanted it to have an undercurrent of being threatening, but not really 
be uh, overbearing in, in any sort of way. So it had to hint towards these things, but it couldn't really beat you over the head with it. Um, and the same thing with with, with Eclipsa. When, when we met her, we didn't really know if she was going to be a bad guy or a good guy. We just knew that her story was really sad. Um, and so I had to make a melody that was that that lent itself towards that sort of melancholy. But also, if I tweaked it just a little bit in one direction, it could be a little bit more schemy. Or if I tweaked it a little bit in another direction, it could just be uh, less schemy, a little bit more neutral, you know. And then Moon, much later um, in the show, also becomes sort of a, a questionable thing. Um, and so, same thing, you know, with, with her theme, we had to make sure that it was being manipulated for the scene correctly um, in, in a way that was either going to be more warm and motherly, like when she has moments with Star, or uh, a little more questionable when some of her morals come into play later in the show. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting you bring up Moon, because that that is a question I want to ask with like a character thing, because I don't know how far ahead you, you are made aware of the story when you make the, the, the themes, but like, how do you deal with with character shifts in terms of the music that's used for them? Is it a situation where if you're like uh, like building on the existing thing, or you're, you're having to you're feeling the need to tweak it based on what you originally thought of the character versus where they are now? How do you handle those kind of uh, changes as the show went along? Yeah, Moon's a really good example for that because obviously when I wrote her theme in season two. I want to say it was. I didn't know, obviously, where she was going to go in season four. Um, uh, but when I did, I knew a handful of facts about her when, when I wrote the theme. I knew that she was going to have a sad backstory, which we got into in, uh, in season three when we mm-hmm. find out what happened when she was a child. Um, and I knew that her relationship with Star was her core relationship on the show. Um, more important than her relationship with her husband, which is obviously a very loving, funny relationship. But her relationship with Star was her core role on the show. Um, and so it had to be a theme that... Oh, and, and, and I knew that she was a badass uh, because the first time I used the theme is actually when she's suiting up with armor right before uh, the big song ceremony and then she gets interrupted and she has to take off the armor and then go to the song ceremony. So I knew that there was an element of her where she was a fighter. Um, and so that's all I knew. Like I didn't really know morally where she was going to be later. Um, but luckily, because of all, because of those three things that I knew about her were kind of conflicting, I wrote a melody that was kind of conflicting. Um, it switches from major to minor a lot, and then even at will, I can change the chord progression from major to minor when I, in a way that I didn't previously. But the main, the the, the most important thing about her melody is the shape of it, and I can switch between major and minor as I as I need to. Um, and so when things get a little fishy with her later in season four, I was very thankful that <laughs> uh, early on um, I made a melody that was somewhat ambiguous because I was like, oh, because <laughs> I don't have to write something completely new for her uh, for her later. But yeah, I don't know a, a lot of what's going to happen for these characters. I have access. I, I had access. Oh, I shouldn't talk about it in the present tense anymore. Um, I, <laughs> I know. I had access to all the animatics for a full season when I would come on, but I wouldn't have time to like go and watch all like the storyboards and that sort of thing while, while I was working. I just didn't have time. And so really, I, I just knew sort of what was in front of me at any given moment and had to hope for the best <laughs> in the future that I didn't you know, screw something up. 
Yeah. So that that thank, thanks for that. That's just a really interesting answer about like have, it's it's almost sounds like it was a ha- a happy accident almost that it, it worked out very the much way it did right. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know. Honestly, I think I had the hardest time manipulating Star's theme as as the show went along, um, because when I first wrote her melody in the first couple of episodes the first couple of episodes give very in- little indication of like where the show is going to go you know it's like it's a little bit more monster of the week it's a little more shiny and sparkly and so i wrote a melody that was pretty unabashedly happy <laughs> you know it didn't really have that sort of moral ambiguity that some of the other themes did and so with her um the melody is always in a in, in in a major key. I very I don't I don't know if I ever really used it that much in a minor key, but it was really just changing everything around it. Um, it's like the melody would generally stay the same, but if I put like a really thundering beat under it, then it would turn into an action scene. Or if I just put it in solo piano, then it became something a little more sad and intimate, you know. Um, but with hers, it, that was actually one of the trickier ones as 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 time went along. Um, so yeah, less of a happy accident with that one. I think it still worked. <laughs> in the end <laughs> yeah yeah I'd, I'd say it worked too and like the star theme is probably i mean i would imagine it's one of the earliest things you had to put in since like one of the earliest step like in the first yeah. couple of episodes it already appears yeah i, I so, wrote it even before i got hired in the show i wrote it as oh, my wow. demo <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm, i i hoped it was it would work and i guess they liked it anyway go on sorry yeah. no and I, I was gonna ask like considering where her character is was in in those first episodes like you said like she's just like a, a bright a bright-eyed girl just very happy about everything just learning yeah. new things and like you follow her development all the way up to where where we are in the final season like what how would you describe the connection of like where star's character is today with the theme that uh, that she kind of grew up with hmm that is a very interesting question um i think what i started doing with the theme in the beginning and this is going to get kind of like music theory technically that's, that's a little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, her theme was always in common time 4-4 four, four, uh, in what, when I did it uh, in, in the very beginning, which lent itself well towards the action sequences um, and sort of like the more bouncy things uh, that she was doing. Um, as the show goes along, I use it much more often as a waltz. Um, I change the timing of it a little bit, and um, it becomes a little more uh, melancholy. I, I use the waltz in, in, in a way for her theme to change it from what it was early on in the show to what it needed to be later on in the show. I use waltzes a lot on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like the Blood Moon waltz, and then there is the waltz that she has with Tom. Um, uh, Eclipse's theme is also has kind of a waltz feel, and I thought it worked really well uh, for the show when things needed to be um, a little more gray and less black and white. Um, so with which her, happens with, a lot more as we which, get deeper yeah, into the show, right? Very much so, very much so. So like as it happened more and more, I was like, oh, I guess I'm writing another waltz <laughs> <laughs> for this. Um, but uh, yeah, because I couldn't really change the melody, and I needed the theme to follow where Star was going. I had to keep the melody, but change the timing of it. Um, and so uh, it's it's a direct descent. Where the melody ended up at the end of the show is a direct descendant of where it started in the beginning of the show. But it is a it's a relative. It's not a carbon copy. Mm-hmm, 
And with character with character themes, like was there one that you wish you could have used more, uh, uh, and maybe like one that you really liked, and they just didn't get as many opportunities in the show to incorporate it? Yeah, yeah, that that happens a lot because again, like I said, I don't really know where the show is going. Um, there was a little melody when River first meets Moon in that flashback scene where they're both oh. kids. Um, and I wrote a little melody there um, that was like the river moon melody. Um, and I only get to use it a couple more times. And really, I only use it one more time with river and moon. I think I use it one more time like in the later seasons, when in the, in the, in the most recent season, when they're in the, the moon village of like the tents and stuff like that. I use it at one point there. And the only other time that I really get to use it is a scene that is mirrored between river and star that looks just like the river and moon scene, but it's a completely different context. It's when moon is uh, not there um, and, and river and star have a, a heartfelt uh, conversation in that same room that I first used that river and moon theme earlier on in the show. So that's one that I really wish that I had done more. I kind of wish I had done a little bit something more distinct for for marco um there was never really an opportunity to give marco like marco's theme you know it was more like um because there is a starco theme right right there is there is a starco theme that was something that um and I, yeah that was also kind of a happy accident which i'll, I'll get to in a second <laughs> but um with marco it was always a sound um they were they wanted marco's music behind him to sound like los angeles because that was where he was from and so um i only really use this like springy electric guitar when he's on screen um and because that because of that i ended up using it a lot for a lot of starco scenes just because i liked using it whenever marco was around um and then marco had this one like really happy time theme i forget which episode it was from where he's like walking down the street and like giving everybody a high five i think it was pizza party no not pizza party that's from the most recent season yeah, yeah. Uh, um when he and ponyhead are making a pizza together that episode uh, yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah that, the skinny jeans <laughs> yeah yeah the, the skinny jeans yeah there was this like really bouncy funny thing that i wrote from marco that i always wished i could bring back in some way <laughs> but i never really did um the starco theme is funny because i i wrote that um during that four episode battle for muni thing um and i uh i wrote it when um marco is freed from his chains by star at one point um and they give each other a hug and like stars horns like poke marco's chin by accident uh-huh. and and then she's just like i oh, just take off the horns and so and then like they take off the horns and they have like a really good hug and i wrote the melody there I thought it was pretty and I thought it was like, oh, this is a nice moment. This is a nice little pretty melody. I can write for this. And then I, as I do for a lot of things from the show, I posted it on Tumblr. Um, and then everybody loved the theme on Tumblr. <laughs> and I couldn't tell really if it was like, oh, do they really like the melody or, or are they just like really happy because of the scene that it took place in? But either way, like that's a that that was a moment where the trajectory of the score was directly influenced by what I had put online. I don't know if I would have kept bringing back that one particular melody if it hadn't been for such a good reaction that it got online because the producers also, um, they, they knew the melody, but then, you know, they also follow me on Tumblr. And so then they would listen to the melody on Tumblr and that sort of thing. So they kept, they would ask for it later referencing this one scene and I, I never really knew like where like what what where the moment was that that's that that theme kind of locked into what it was. Uh-huh. I don't know if it was a, 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 
it, it very well could have been because of the Tumblr reaction or it could have been just because I posted it there and the other producers saw it there. I, I don't really know, but um, I kept bringing it back um, and then I use it again in Booth Buddies, obviously, um, for that scene there. And then I, I use it throughout the final season and it's, and it's the last mild spoiler it's the last melody that you hear in the show <laughs> it's, it's the last melody that, that that comes on during the final end credits of the final episode and so uh yeah that's a that was a funny one um i'm, I'm, I'm glad it took off it's a, it's a nice melody and i'm glad people like it so much and i was actually going to ask about that because obviously you do post a lot a lot of your stuff on tumblr and you have a soundcloud as well and mm-hmm. so it seems like you you do get a lot of like immediate fan reactions has it ever affected your, uh, your aside from the Starco theme, which it seems like it did have some effect? Like, yeah. has it has it had an effect on, on decisions that you make when scoring future episodes? Once you know fan uh, how people reacted to previous uh, score selections, um, that's a good question. Um, I would say it mattered more when I would get a scene that I knew fans were going to have a large reaction to. Um, from the for the general day to day for like the, the the action scenes and the sort of the more plot driven things, I wasn't as I didn't think about that as much. But when I would get to a scene like when Star and Tom have that big dance, mm-hmm. I saw this scene and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna make waves. <laughs> People are gonna have very strong opinions about this scene online." And so because I knew that was gonna happen, I I, I did spend a little extra time um, on that cue, making sure that it was really big and grand and still something that even if you disagreed with the pairing, you would still feel empathetic towards them because of the music, because it would be this big sweeping romantic thing, you know? Um, so that was, that's definitely one. And then, you know, in, in the fourth season, when the, in the curse of the blood moon episode, when I get to reuse the blood moon waltz um, in its entirety, uh, since the first time it was shown on the show, um, I knew that was also going to be another moment that the fans were going to react to. And so again, yeah, I I, I wrote the cue knowing <laughs> that I would be posting it online later. And so I, I made sure that the cue could stand on its own um, besides just being part of the, the visuals. Wow, wow. Uh, it's it, so far. It seems like your definition of big moments are like the sh- quote ship moments. So far, <laughs> yeah, you know, I spent enough time <laughs> reading stuff on Tumblr and, and 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 lurking on the Reddit page to know that those were the moments that were going to get the biggest reactions. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's certainly proven true. Um. I guess uh, um, you mentioned the finale a little bit, and I think we can begin to get into that. But just uh, for people listening, if you have not watched the finale, yeah, we're going to begin talking about that. So spoiler alert. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay. Now, people who have watched the finale, uh, there uh, at least when, well, especially in our first podcast, there was made mention of two particular scenes where the music stands out. Obviously, the mm-hmm. the finale, the like the actual end sequence where they're running mm-hmm. towards the portals together, and mm-hmm. there's also the moment where the the dimension of magic is being destroyed, and mm-hmm. there's the storm going on. You have the dramatic moment between Star and Marco needing to separate and, and mm-hmm. things. So, like when when you're when you're see, seeing those scenes for the first time. Well, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about that first. Uh, with with these scenes, like what what go, goes through your head in terms of like what what you want the music to to transmit in in those moments? Yeah. Um. 
the moment where uh, the magic dimension is about to explode um, and they're both still there, um, not knowing that the other one was also going to just come back to the to, to that dimension, um, and when they're holding each other and the, the big explosion happens, and all the stuff leading up to that, yeah, that 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 stuff kind of starts. That music starts when uh, a, a few minutes before when when Marco asks Star, like, "What's your plan? Like, there's a plan to see each other, right? We're gonna see each other again," and she knows that there is not, and she doesn't want to tell him that. Um, and that's sort of when that particular cue starts. Um, and I knew that I, I just had this feeling that I didn't really need to make this cue sound like the rest of the show exactly. Um, a lot of times on the rest of the show, I would shy away from using um, a traditional orchestra, like a traditional string orchestra or that sort of thing. And I always made sure that we, we were staying in that kind of retro synth world um, just because like, that's what the show sounded like. But this stuff felt different than the rest of the show like this stuff really felt like apocalyptic end of the world stuff where we really don't know you know that the heroes are going to make it out okay you know earlier in the show you know like things are going to be okay because like there's more <laughs> season coming you know it's like we're in episode 16 of a 22 episode season the heroes are going to be fine there's more stuff to come you know uh-huh. um, but with this moment um you don't really know like where people are going to end up or if they're going to see each other again or, or or what you know what darren had in store for them so it really needed to feel bleak <laughs> and it needed to feel like this really could be the end uh for everything and so instead of going big for that, I, I I reduced everything to just strings and piano, not fake string, not not like you know synth strings. I mean, there uh, we didn't hire uh, an orchestra, so I used samples, but samples of real strings and the piano. Um, and it's really just like a string orchestra and a piano, and and that's it. And it doesn't move very much. Uh, the chords kind of move one at a time, and the tempo is pretty pretty slow. And it just moves slowly and builds slowly as the audience realizes what's happening realizes that star is going to go back to the magic dimension realizes that they're going to stay um i really wanted to make sure that i wasn't uh forecasting what Mm -hmm. was going to happen and so um the chords move really slow um i go back and forth again between major and minor a lot just so i don't really give away what the very particular emotion is um and then i don't really kick it in until the very very end when we know that they're going to be there so you know, when they, when she sees Marco and they go and sit with each other, that's when I really, really begin to let things crescendo and really let things swell. And they swell all the way right until that cut to black. Um, so even as you're approaching that cut to black, you don't really know that the scene is over until pop the, you know, it's, it's the end of the act, you know? Um, so with that one, I was pretty happy making it be its own thing and not have any direct relation to a lot of other cues for the show. Um, now, for when they're running to the portals, that's sort of a different story. I did want that to sound like the rest of the show, um, but I wanted it to sound uh, like uh, a, a version of, of a star versus the forces of evil cue that had some finality to it. And so I have this repeating string figure that I used through it that, uh, that I knew I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to have sort of the central string idea to push the cue all the way from start to finish because uh, I would use that to give the cue momentum and that the string figure had to move pretty fast because the characters are running but it also had to be flexible enough that I could move chords around it um, based on what was going on on screen um, at the time and I sort of mentioned this on um, I had a reddit AMA the other day mm-hmm. that my brain is still a little numb from because I was like <laughs> answering questions so quickly um, but I sort of talked about it in one of the answers there where um, 
you know, I start the that queue, the running to the portals queue um, in minor, and I knew I was going to switch to major at some point because I knew I just wanted it to open it up, and I knew I wanted it to feel like a big heroic moment for these two characters that we've been with for years. But I didn't want to do it right away. You know, I wanted it to have some suspense for a little while, so I don't switch it until halfway through the queue. I think it's when she like bursts through the corn, like the rats come out, and you're like, oh, this is that thing that happens at the end of like big romantic movies where the characters are running towards each other. You know, like this is that thing. This is that thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so then I, I, I sort of open it up there. Um, but yeah, that one, I, I definitely wanted to sound like the rest of the show, but I wanted to sound like sort of like the Omega version of a star versus the forces of evil Q. Like this is like, this is, this is end game. Like this is, this is what we've been leading up to all these years. That, th- thanks for those explanations. Those, I, I especially really love the the idea of uh, at, with uh, uh, in the magic dimension, like kind of mm-hmm. uh, ma- only ma- letting it go to a slightly more optimistic view once they fi- are like together and they're, yeah. they they know they're gonna be, like and, yeah and they have like the the big line of like with or without magic we're meant for each other so like the music right. fit, you music fits that like kind of you know the world's ending around you but like you have each other and so like <laughs> but I, I, yeah I, totally it's it, it is it is sad and suspenseful but at the same time you're like oh well at least they figured this out about each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad they they figured that out uh, and now with uh, with the finale, I guess like taking a step back a little bit before you knew anything about what was going to happen in the finale, were there and like had you had you thought about like what what should I be aiming to do for like the end episode of Star? But like before you knew any plot details, like were there like any things that was like well before Star ends, like I need to, uh, I I need to make sure I do these things. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, you know, I think uh, I I kind of had in the back of my head that I was probably going to have to write a new end credits for the final episode because it didn't make sense to have the Shining Star song be sure. the end credits uh, for the final episode, nor would it make sense uh, for it to have like the season one and two end credits song be at the be there uh, for the final uh, credits. So I sort of assumed uh, that that was something I was going to do. And as the season was going along, I was like, Oh, you know, it'd be really nice if I just like did this really kind of simple, intimate thing that was just like this solo piano and be like, I don't know what the visuals are going to be, but you know, we, I'm assuming we're going to have this big grand ending for the show. No idea what it's going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be big. And then when all that's done, I'm just going to strip it down. It's just going to be like me at a piano, you know, one-on-one saying goodbye to the show. Um, and that's what it's going to be. And it's going to be really cool for me personally. <laughs> it's going to be cool <laughs> for the audience because it'll be like a, you know, like a, like a, like a little waving goodbye personally for me. So I kind of figured this was something that I was going to get to do. Um, and so I was just thinking about like, oh, what melody is it going to be? Like, what, what, like, how am I going to do it? And I started working on that a little bit. And I, I, I just always assumed that I was going to be able to do it. Um, and then I did it uh, for the, the, my first pass of the episode. And I knew that it was sort of a, it was like a big moment in the show's history. Obviously, it's the final moment in the show's history. So before I went and sat down with Darren uh, to, in the normal process of going to Disney and like having that big meeting, I actually emailed her a quick time of it just being like, what do you think of this idea? And she's like, are you sad? <laughs> are you like, this is really sad. Like, I don't. I don't want this feeling to be the last thing that people see on the show. You know, she was saying that she wanted she wanted the last feeling to be uplifting and, and magical and optimistic, you know, and you know what? And, and 
in the end, obviously that she's right, <laughs> you know, because like the way that I did it, you know, we have this great final moment where Star and Marco are together again, and then I come in and I'm like, you know, yeah, and I yeah. just like deflate it, um, and you know, that was me sort of telegraphing what I wanted that last moment to be, as opposed to what the show actually needed and what Darren uh, actually needed, and so. Um, that cue, the version that you hear on the show is actually the last cue that I ever wrote for the show because it was a revision that I had to do later. Um, and it was a nice, it was a much better way for me to say goodbye to the show too, because I got to end it in this big lush thing as, uh, that, you know, left me feeling really good about it as opposed to this, you know, really sad thing that maybe would have made me a little more depressed about leaving the show. Um, so yeah, that was definitely one where I had a certain expectation of what I wanted to do, um, and I did it, but it was wrong, <laughs> you know. And and that's a good look into like the revisions process, right? Because uh, I, I guess like you you write a, a, what you think the mu- the music should be for a scene, and Darren and the producers have to like chime and mm-hmm. be like, well, that's not quite where where we're going. Yeah, we're going for you. Know? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, you know, they they give me spotting notes, um, and they give me certain directions for the show, but. Um, still sometimes it's a, it's a guessing game, you know, like what, what an adjective that they might use might mean something completely different to them than it does to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it's like trying to figure out like what one person means when they say the same word. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh zo- zooming back out now that we've like, we have like the whole show and like, you can talk about all of it. Like, is there a piece in the show that you're like, I, I nailed this from like the first time I, I, <laughs> like, I wrote it um, like, and like, I, I really love this piece. Like, is there one that like stands out to you in that way? Um, I think there's two. Um, I think, uh, one goes way back. One is, uh, in the third episode, monster arm. Um, that, that was <laughs> way, way back. Yeah. That was one where I had done a couple episodes already. The first episode, the producers really liked my music for. The second episode, which is the football game episode, they didn't really dig it. It was a little bit too traditional. I was using some more traditional orchestral elements in that one. It was sort of before I'd figured out like what the show was really going to sound like. Um, and so we had like a big talk after the second episode about what I needed to do going forward. Um, and then I, like, I really built the monster arm from the ground up in terms of sound. Um, and then when I went in and played it for them, uh, they all clapped. They were much happier <laughs> with that one. They were just, I think everybody was just like relieved. Like, um, and it was so early on in the show that like Disney executives were there. It wasn't just Dominic and Darren and Aaron. It was like VP of music and like the executive director of music. And I'm like, oh man, I hope this goes well today. <laughs> um, and that one, that one, I think I, I, I had spent enough time thinking about it that, that it, it kind of, it, it came off right. Um, and then the other one that really sticks out in my head that I got right the first time uh, was Bon Bon, Bon uh, Bon the Birthday Clown. That one that there's a fight in a graveyard where Ludo wins. Basically, you know, Ludo gets the book. He's 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 off. You know, Star loses that that episode. Um, and that was a very different tack than a lot of previous episodes had been. Um, 
and I did this really pulsing, like progressive electronica thing <laughs> to score that big fight yeah. sequence. And I was like, oh, this is rad. Like this is this is this is cool. I really hope they like it because <laughs> uh, I think this is this is this sounds different and it's, and and I think it really works for the scene. Um, and that was a big turning point for me too because um, I made a lot more action sequences sound like Bon Bon from that time going forward because it was the first time I made a sequence sound like that and it, I thought it really worked well. Hmm, okay, that'll be interesting to go, to go back to now. Now that I know that, because like I, I do feel like uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like I feel like in the later seasons, like there is like a little bit extra like electronic influences as like mm-hmm. you go deeper into the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure if like you like made it was there was a conscious effort to like just kind of as the show like progressed, if that was like an obvious addition. Yeah, um, the the score was always primarily electronic, but I started using them in uh, I started using the electronic stuff in a different way as the show got darker, um, and I started taking more in like you know when the show started out, I think the influences were obviously like Sailor Moon, and I've talked a lot about Ranma One Half as 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 being a very big influence as well. But I think as the show went on, I was pulling more from stuff like oh god. Um, like Johan Johansson's stuff um, that, that that he does for um, movies like Arrival and and like that more uh, darker, more atmospheric stuff like that he was doing. Or oh god, a big one for us was uh, the movie It Follows. Mm. Um, like that disaster piece score is really just like dirty and, and and scary, but like obviously electronic. And so that was something that we referenced a lot as being a, a, a cool place to me to, to start from and then, uh, you know, uh, work from that kind of idea and work that into the show. But yeah, that stuff happened later. Like when we were starting out, it was all just like sunshine and rainbows and just sparkly electronics and that sort of well, thing. Which, which kind of fit the show at the time, right? Yeah, it totally worked. There's yeah. literally rainbows all over the place. Yeah, it was much more yeah lighthearted in the beginning. And then as we went along, it was like, how can we stay with the electronics but make them more... Uh, emotive and you know that even started oh god even with like the epi- the, the Muberty episode like that was when we really started to dig in uh-huh. just to see what the electronics could do and that was still season one but that was like planting seeds of stuff that we would do much later on in the show yeah yeah for sure and uh, um, you uh, you mentioned uh, Sailor Moon as as one of your interests. So that that's from a while, uh, probably from like your your childhood. Like, yeah. were, were there other things uh, like nostalgic uh, influences that that you tried to incorporate into your work or think about when you were working? Yeah, um, uh, I really liked the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and later got to work with that composer as his assistant. So that was rad. Oh, nice. um, but. Yeah, but I really loved the music for that show, and I loved what it did, and I loved how it gave characters and relationships their own themes. And so that was always something. And I, I watched that not necessarily in my childhood, but like when I was in grad school and stuff like that, when I was trying to figure out who I was to, as a grown up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, I, um, yeah, I, I, I pull from that a lot. Um, and I pulled a lot from from video games that I played growing up uh, and, and that I would try to make these melodies that I could, that I, that I would hope um, would stand on their own and become like earwormy kind of melodies for the listeners. Cause you know, those, those, those old Nintendo and Sega Genesis yeah, games. Yeah. Like, are we the, talking like eight bits or a little bit eight further bit, than that? Eight, eight bit and 16 bit. Like the, the sort of like transition from eight to 16 was like the meat and potatoes of, of my childhood, you know? Uh. Um, and so God, the, the, the music in those games, because of how difficult and how structured the games were, that music had to 
you had to be able to listen to that music for like two hours straight That's and true. not get tired of it, you know? Um, and so, you know, when I would make uh, some of these longer action tracks, I would keep that in mind and being like, okay, is this, is this melody becoming fatiguing? How am I going to change it so it doesn't become fatiguing? And how do I make it as catchy as possible so that over the course of this four-minute action scene, you're not getting tired of this melody, you know? Um, so, yeah, I remember thinking a lot about like street fighter and like why the music in street fighter works really well and like what is it about these chord progressions and these melodies that makes that game work um or mega man you know these mega man is so hard you know i thought that was yeah. so hard when i was a kid and like there are still tunes from mega man 2 that i can hum in my head because i listened to them so many times and so i would think about those pieces of music and what made them work and and, and try to try to learn from that now, you don't have to say if this is if, if like there's no chance of this happening or there's like a little or like you know anything so pretend pretend that you don't but like if okay. there were there was going to be a star versus video game like what would be your approach to something like that where like would it be any different from writing music for a show yeah um I've written a little bit for video games, mostly as like an additional music thing for somebody else. Or um, I did a couple. Oh God, I did this downloadable Wii Wii game a long time ago that I don't really think anybody ever downloaded, but it was Aww. quite fun. I know it was like this puzzle game that was just made by an indie developer um, that I that I thought was really fun. Uh, but uh, what's interesting about video game music is is that especially now it needs to be um, it needs to be reactive to what is what the player is doing. So you need to write the music in a way that it can switch cues or layer on each other um, in a way that is dependent on on what the player is doing. So um, when I've had to write music for video games, you have to sort of write them in layers. So like you have your base layer of like the main tune and the main groove that's going on. And then if something bad happens or if the action ramps up a little bit, then the system starts playing an additional layer on top of that, or it takes away a layer from what it was doing before, depending on what just happened. But the music needs to be seamless, you know. So um, when you think, well, when 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 I was writing music for video games, it had to be very adaptive like that. So I couldn't just think of a cue as a going from point A to point B, sort of like what I do on a TV show, because I can just watch a scene in a TV show, and no matter how many times I watch that scene, sorry, I just burped. I'm drinking yeah, a lot. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, when I'm watching a scene in a TV show, I can watch it a thousand times and that scene is going to be exactly the same every single time that I watch it because it's a TV show and it's not going to adapt and it's not going to change. Whereas uh, with a video game, a thousand people can play the exact same level and they'll complete the level in a thousand different ways. you know. And so you have to be uh, aware of that. So if there were ever a star video game, which I obviously know nothing about, uh -huh. but if it happened, I would love to be a part of it, obviously. Uh, but if there were... I would have to go back and um, look at the themes that I wrote for the show and kind of strip them down to their elements and see what layers of those themes I would need to bring in and when and how they would be used depending on what the player was doing for the, for the, for the game. Man, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool I, to have to do. Yeah, and like I, I was thinking, like Star Star Versus is a show that like has so much action sequences and fighting. Like mm -hmm. it almost kind of lends itself to to adapting to to a video game style. So like, it, sure. but it's it, it's interesting you hearing uh, hearing about you talking about like maybe like breaking down the music so yeah it, it fits to the format. It, I remember. Yeah, I remember seeing a fan art that was basically uh, the Scott Pilgrim video game that side scrolling beat 'em up, but uh -huh. with 
star characters. And I was like, oh man, that would be rad if somebody did that. <laughs> hint, hint for any viewers who are like video game makers. Please make that. You know? <laughs> and, and and then hire Brian, please. <laughs> and then hire me to, to to write the music for it. Yeah, so I guess now now that stars over, obviously you've still got the uh, other gig gigs mm-hmm. going on. Like right now, you're you're writing uh, music for uh, Abby's, for example. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um, now now that stars over, like what what do you think is the biggest? Uh, well, I mean, you mentioned at the beginning that this was your first big TV job, and like so now now that it's over, what do you think is like the biggest thing? that you've gotten out of working on star that helps you out with uh, the new, the newer jobs that you've gotten since then? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm not as afraid, I guess is, is, is sort of the first thing. Um, you know, when I first got the show and, and was sort of handed these reins, I, uh, I hadn't really written, um, so much for one project ever before. You know, I hadn't had at, at the end of season four, I went back and I tallied all the music that I've written for Star. And I've written somewhere between 20 and 21 hours of music for the show. Mm. Um, and before I moved to Los Angeles, I think I'd only written maybe like 40 minutes of music in my entire life, <laughs> you know. Um, and so over the course of five years, I've, I've written, you know, 21 hours of music or something. Um, and I think looking back on it and having done that and having worked with all of these character themes and try to figure out a way that I can manipulate them over the course of many years. Um, I feel like if given that task again, I will have this, this, this knowledge that, yeah, I did that before. And, um, and it was a product that I myself wrote every note of and felt really proud of it at the end. And so I think, um, that knowledge going forward, if I get, you know, if I get another serialized animated show like star, you know, I, I I would definitely have uh, the the tools um, to to do something like that again. Um, given that most of the work that I've gotten since doing Star is nothing like Star, uh-huh. and so um, over the course of all these years, you know, uh, unrelated to Star, over the past five years, I've I've done a ton of comedy work. Um, I've done a bunch of indie film work. I've done some documentary work, um, and each time I do one of these projects, um, it's sort of like a testing ground. And I think every composer will feel like that to a certain degree because the job is never the job should never be uh wrote it should never feel repetitive it should never really feel easy so like each time you do this each project is completely different from a project that comes before it um and so uh that's one of the really fun things about it but because of that i've done a wide variety of things over the past five years and i think over the course of those five years when you put all of those projects together you know, things like, you know, uh, I direct, I music directed a musical episode of Bones. I, I wrote, you know, uh, uh, I had a couple of pilots go and not go. I have an NBC series now, Abby's. Um, I did a TBS series, Search Party, that was also very electronic. And um, I did, uh, gosh, like so many different things over the course of the years. Um, I feel like whenever I bring on, when I'm, I'm brought on to a new project now, I feel like, my uh, my template, the portfolio that I'm coming from is super diverse. Um, and I'm really happy for that because then I never feel like when I'm hired for something, I'm getting hired to do the exact same thing over again because I haven't had to do the exact same thing over and over again over the past five years. Um, and I hope that's the way it always is. I hope I don't just do this one thing and somebody's like, ah, oh, yeah, that, that's the guy that does that thing. Just like make him do it 20 more times. You know, That's not why I, uh, I decided to do this for a living. That's not why I came out here. Um, and the the past five years have have 
have really reinforced that for me, and, and I hope that continues. Yeah, and uh, I, I wish you well in your future endeavors, but I'll definitely miss hearing your, your work on, on this show because it, it definitely always... It, it, well, well, you're making clear that like it, it's all around the same feel, but like at the same time, it, it definitely felt unique. Uh, a, lot, a lot of like the different uh, musical contributions <laughs> that the the show had throughout its run so it, oh it, thank you it, it'll it'll be sad to not not have that <laughs> yeah i'll but, i'll miss like i'll miss making it i'll miss it yeah i miss it now you know and, yeah. I, and i'll and uh, i'm sure uh I, I will look i said this to um to a producer like on on, on my last day i uh, i look forward to looking back fondly mm-hmm. on all of this you know uh because it was this like for lack of a better term, it was a very magical experience for me. And, um, yeah, I, 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 it was, it was a lovely job. It was the best job I'd had up until that point. Um, and, um, I, yeah, I think it, it's definitely going to be something I'm going to miss. Yeah. Um, b- before we begin wrapping up, I guess just some like final, not non music questions, just kind of like more focused on like stars, a show, like, did you yeah. have like a, like a specific character that you felt a connection to, or like, so, or like a character that you re- really liked, um, when, whenever you got a chance to, to work with the episodes they were in? Yeah, I, um, this is again, something somebody asked on the, on the AMA and I hadn't really, really thought about it until that person asked it. But, um, these two Marco moments came to mind when I was asked that question. One in um, in Naysaya, at the very end of the episode, when he's just totally coming clean to Jackie about everything that he feels. And then, similarly, um, from the episode Sleepover, when he does the same thing, <laughs> sort of, he sort of comes clean to, to Jackie about all the things that he feels. You know, teen years are, are are really hard, and my teen years were like a hot mess. And I, I, uh, are, aren't I, we all? <laughs> aren't they all? You know. And so I really appreciated uh, the honesty that the writers brought to all of that, and the way that Adam MacArthur read those lines. I thought was just really empathetic, and just really made you put you right in there with Marco. And I always felt very seen <laughs> in those in those moments. Moments. Um, so that one, I, I always and the, those moments are really funny too because I didn't write very much music for those moments because they were so dialogue heavy. It was merely, it was really just me sort of getting out of the way. Um, but I really took a lot of care in those moments because I wanted to make sure that that the character was getting the moment that he needed to communicate what he needed to do. Um, so Marco, for sure, for those moments, and then um, I really loved writing for Eclipsa. I thought her arc was really sad, um, but ultimately, you know, redemptive and and like like we said before, really morally ambiguous. Um, so obviously, I really love writing for her. And then, of course, Star. You know, Star is where it all is. You know, where it all began, and then going with her through all the stuff that she had to go through, and then seeing where her theme went as a result. Um, yeah, that's just like a gift to to be able to you know manipulate the theme over the course of five years and such evolution like that. Yeah, I always. Yeah, I'll that's I'll have a soft spot for her, of course. All right. Well, th- thank you, Brian, for 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 being for coming on the podcast. I, I think that, oh, that these have been very illuminating answers uh, <laughs> to uh, a, a lot of like the the deeper 
background stuff going on and like the the music is such a big part of the show so like it, it definitely feels like it's kind of like an extra layer that we some we that like in, in general in shows we sometimes overlook but like they have a big meaning and especially in this show like with with the, the dependence on on themes and like musical cues and stuff so it definitely it, i definitely got a lot a lot out of your answers so the, thank you very much for for coming on oh i'm glad thank you for having me it's a lot of fun and uh, for for our listeners, if you are interested in hearing more about our Star Wars The Forces of Evil coverage, you can do that at OverlyAnimated.com. Um, you can always support us via Patreon if you enjoyed our, our efforts here today. Um, you can do that at Patreon.com slash OverlyAnimated. Uh, thanks to our patron of the podcast, Juliana, a.k.a. Julie Jana. Uh, um, apparently, this was the Star Versus nickname, so it's <laughs> time pretty well. <laughs> Uh, thanks as always to our Patreon executive producers, Ryan, Steve, Beatrice, Hugh, and Michael. And besides Star Wars is the Forces of Evil, even though that show is over, we might still do a, a one more podcast, maybe breaking down some, char- uh, some character stuff that we have not touched upon in our recaps. But also we cover a wide variety of animated shows here. We've got uh, DuckTales, also a Disney show going on. We've got uh, OKKO going on miraculous ladybugs so really a lot of stuff that you can also look on our sites for but yeah thank you for listening thank you brian very much for for coming on thank you and uh we'll we'll talk to you later goodbye